Hi there, welcome back to another episode of Social Media Manager Confidential. I hope you're having an amazing week and I'm just excited that you're here listening to this podcast episode. I always appreciate all the DMs you send me over on Instagram letting me know what you love about the show. It means a lot and it's really helpful to me. So today I got to sit down and talk to Melissa Litchfield. She is a 35-year-old Southern California native currently living in Mobile, Alabama. For the past nine years, she's been helping online entrepreneurs and small businesses market themselves online with paid and organic traffic. She owns Litchfield Media Co., a digital marketing company that helps small businesses and entrepreneurs skyrocket their impact and revenue with paid traffic. Melissa also manages two rental properties and a new custom clothing apparel brand for babies and toddlers. She lives with her husband, who serves in the U.S. Coast Guard, and her daughter, Madeline. So we sat down and we got to talk all things running a digital agency. We talk about our services, how she got started, the type of clients she works with, funnels, paid ads, of course, running an agency as far as the team culture goes, her favorite and least favorite things. And of course, we had to talk about this new master resale rights course that's going around and what our thoughts are on it. So go ahead, give it a listen and here we go. Social media management is notorious for being high pressure, competitive, and changing literally every day, which is why it isn't surprising that most social media managers get burned out within the first two years. So how do you keep going? How do you stay up with the latest updates, protect your mental health, and build a successful social media management business that supports your lifestyle goals? Whether that's working from home with your kiddos or jet-setting around the world, that's what this show is all about. Welcome to Social Media Manager Confidential. I'm Shantae Gorman, founder of a six-figure social media management agency and mentor to social media managers. And I'm here to dish on the ins and outs of the social media management world without any of the gatekeeping that can come along with it. You'll learn, you'll laugh, and you'll leave each episode inspired. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey everyone, I am here with Melissa and I am so excited to chat with her. We've been like planning this for a couple of weeks now and there's going to be a lot of good things in this episode I already know. So hi Melissa, how are you? Hi, Shante. I'm so excited to be here and just, you know, give some golden nuggets to your audience. I think we're going to have a good conversation on a lot of different topics today. So yes, yes, I think so. I think this is going to be a good one for sure. So let's just go ahead and get started. What is your current business setup like? Okay, right now. So I have an agency, an ad agency, digital advertising agency called Litchfield Media started back in 2019. So we are in our fourth year of business, kind of crazy how it's already been four years. And we specialize in digital advertising, so social ads, right? So think Meta, Pinterest. We also do Google as well and TikTok. Sorry, I almost forgot that one. (laughs) Social ads. And we have branched out in the most recent, so probably in the last two years, we started offering done-for-you funnel builds. So think funnel builds for like client launches or evergreen funnels, evergreen webinars, evergreen funnels for digital products. So that is what Litchfield Media is today. Awesome. And so you have a team of people who support you. Are they located everywhere or are they kind of by you? Yeah. So initially, um, let's say going back to 2020, I saw a huge boost or boom in my business, right? 
And I think a lot of people in the online space could probably relate to 2020. It was like a magical time in the online space. I feel like also too, a lot of small business owners probably had this like epiphany or like realization that, okay, I need to go digital, right? Like the world is shutting down in person. I need to go digital. So I saw a huge increase in boom in that particular year for Litchfield Media. So ultimately in the fall of that year, I hired my first full-time person. She was actually local to me, lived four miles away. So oh, wow. Super local. <laughs> super local. I think she was fresh out of college, I'm pretty sure. So trained her from the very beginning. And we would even do like TikTok videos like together in my backyard. It was kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> she moved on to a different company probably later that next year. But some of my team members now like honestly have been with me for at least two years. So like I have a really... I, I think I do have a really pretty high like retention rate in terms yeah. of teachers. So I take a lot of pride into that because I did come from like a toxic corporate world and culture before prior to having literal media. So like that was like, one of my just like kind of like core values that like I felt like, okay, if I have my own agency one day, it's not going to be like X, Y, Z. So that was something I was like, okay, it needs to be fun. We need to provide results, but like it needs to be, I don't know, lighthearted, fun. Marketing is not the end of the world, right? <laughs> right. Like we're not saving lives. We're not doctors. <laughs> yeah. It, it can wait, right? Emergencies are probably not really an emergency in terms of marketing. <laughs> um, but yeah. So now we have a team of, I want to say seven to eight. I mean, we were at like 10 at one point, but I do feel like Towards the end of 2021, my agency personally for me was feeling like my old nine to five. And I was like, wow, I've been working a lot. I've been working on the weekends. I think in 2022, I kind of just want to throttle back. I wanted to scale back. And at the time, no one was talking about that. And I remember posting about it and my audience was like, oh my God, you're speaking to me right now, or I feel this way. Yeah. So so yeah, I scaled back my agency in 2022. My one goal was like, okay, I just want to work. If I just work less and get paid the same, I will be 100% happy and thrilled. And that's kind of what happened. We made the same revenue amount as 2021 and 2022. And I think honestly, what helped that was that we pretty much like the amount of revenue coming in was like 70% of our revenue is usually from ad management, but then the done for you funnel bills kind of like took over and it was like almost Mm. like, so, so yeah, kind of like what happened in 2022 and then 2023, that's pretty much the same. So we're right in, right in it all the way through to 2024. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I mean, that's a sweet spot is making the same amount of money, but working less hours. Right. Yeah. Like that was my ultimate goal. So I don't know if people can relate on the podcast that are listening right now, but you know, I think at, at one point I realized I don't really want to have a million dollar agency. I I'm really cool and like completely content just like making the same amount of revenue like next year. And, you know, honestly working less was like my biggest goal and I did achieve that. So I'm pretty happy about that. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> takes a lot of work to get there, but it's definitely worth it. It does. Yeah. So how did you get started with your business then? I know you kind of touched on it a little bit, but like, what's the full story? Yeah. Okay. Full story. So basically after I got my master's, I actually have a master's in public health. I don't think anyone knows this. Like I literally don't have a a master's or any sort of degree really in marketing, 
but I got my first probably like taste of like marketing and like personal branding by being a part of like an MLM. So back in like the day I was working, um, my first big girl corporate job, like after getting my master's was at a nonprofit organization, downtown New Orleans. And at that time, I just, I think I just realized that like, wow, I thought this was going to be like a fun, like cool big girl job. And I thought I was going to feel like I was making a difference and it really didn't feel that way. So I was like, I would love to, you know, have my own thing, like have my own flexible schedule. So I think that's why like the MLM, you know, like opportunity was so intriguing to me at the time, you know, I was working like a nine to five corporate job in a cubicle downtown. Yeah. And my husband, he is um, active duty military. So he had like a very odd schedule. Like he would have a random day during the week off and I would feel so left out at work. He'd be like at a brewery somewhere with his friends and be like, I don't get off at work until five. (laughs) Like I wanted to have that like freedom of time and flexibility. It wasn't even really money. I was like, I just wish I could like hang out with my husband or like at the drop of a hat, like go take a trip to Florida or something, you know? So that's kind of what intrigued me about like, you know, being my own boss or having my own thing. And once I ultimately, I got, I got pregnant in 2016 and I did eventually quit that other corporate job, but I actually, um, that's kind of where I got like my digital marketing experience. (laughs) So I bought my first Facebook ads course, mind you in 2014, that's how I learned. I think it was like $300 at the time. It was a lot of money to me back then, right? Because I wasn't working my corporate job anymore. I was kind of relying on like the MLM thing and it wasn't a whole lot of money, right? But I was working for myself and I was completely happy. I was content at that point in time. But I decided to invest in a Facebook ads course thinking like it would help my business. I had always been really good at social media. Like I just remember like people on like, you know, the team saying like, Melissa's so good at social media. She's so good. (laughs) I really like did enjoy like having a personal brand and, you know, that attraction marketing. That's what I had to do in order to like grow my, my own business with that company. So that's kind of like my first taste of like marketing in general. And then fun fact. So once I had my daughter, I connected with a local company. They had like these little spoons for babies that I was, it was a product I was using myself and they actually were doing their business in the same city and town that I was living in. So I met with the owners and they actually hired me as like their digital marketing person. So I was doing like guest posts on their Instagram. Um, we had plans to like write blogs and, you know, it was around like nutrition and stuff. So that was kind of like already what I was doing with the prior MLM. And then I, they asked if I could do their ads. So like, that's kind of how I, I, I did a little bit of like side gigs first. Yeah. Before I got hired at the last marketing agency that I was working at. So yeah, that's pretty much like how it all started. But I did at the last marketing agency that I was working at prior to Litchfield Media, I was overworked and underpaid. So like I felt like there was massive burnout from that. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm gonna go all in on myself, you know? Like I had a little taste of it. And then I went back to corporate and then I was like, whoa, this is not for me. And then I decided to take a chance on myself. So it's kind of crazy how it all happened, but probably within a month or two of quitting that other job, I had already networked like in a Facebook group. And then I joined like a group, a networking group in person in Savannah at the time where I was living. And that's how I acquired my first few clients, like right off the bat from leaving the other job. So then I feel like once I started the Instagram account, you know, it just like spiraled from there. It was very consistent. I think I was posting five days a week, <laughs> always on stories. 
always giving value, always like nurturing, trying to go live. So yeah, that's kind of how it all started. Awesome. I like how it's just kind of like, a, you know, you test the waters and then you go back, then you kind of go a little bit further. Like it's not like a straight shot. And I think a lot of people will relate to that. It wasn't. And I mean, I feel like I failed at so many different things before I finally figured out what I wanted to do. Yeah. And, you know, some people may see my work or my my agency now and they think, wow, this is like her chapter four or whatever. But it really, it's kind of like my chapter 15. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the beginning, but like there's so much more prior, you know, that did happen in my in my career that actually got to where I am today. Yeah. I love that. And now you make like 30K months in your ad agency. And we were kind of talking already where you started off offering social media management and ads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the beginning, it was solely ads, right? And then I think as I acquired more clients, one of them, because I was, remember, I was work, networking in person as well. So I met some local businesses. One was like a barbecue joint. So they actually asked if I offered social media. And I said, I don't, but I could, you know, yeah. kind of like morphed into that. I didn't have a ton of social media clients, but I was, I think I had like two to three at some point in that first year. And then I realized it wasn't for me. I didn't love it. <laughs> <laughs> like I had a person, like I had my VA initially at the time helping me out, like plan the content for the post. And I was like, gosh, this isn't something I love as much as ads, you know? So I was like, I would rather just not offer that service anymore. So yeah, that's kind of how that happened. And it was, you know, in the beginning of your business, you see an opportunity of making some sort of revenue from a client and you're like, you just want to say yes, right? Yeah. Like, you, like are people pleasing in the beginning because you're brand new and you just want to get experience. You want to have some client testimonials under your belt. So yeah, that, I kind of said yes, just because. <laughs> I mean, I, I've done the same thing and I think everyone kind of starts that way where if someone wants to work with us, we're like, oh my gosh, you want to work with me? Sure. Or, you know, and we'll give them like low pricing or we'll do things outside of what we normally can do or, you know, and I think that's just part of getting experience. But also like, if you need that income, you need that income and there's nothing wrong with that, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think it's, it's good to experience other things outside of like your skill set. So you actually know for sure, do I like this? Do I want to keep doing this? Or do you want to scrap this offer altogether? Because, you know, as a business owner, you, you're not really stuck in like one specific box. Like you have this unique opportunity to expand and grow into other realms or industries if you want to. And I feel like you have the opportunity also to pivot, you know, if you no longer are feeling in alignment with those initial services that you started offering. Exactly. You're in charge. You get to decide what you want to do. Mm-hmm. So what type of clients do you usually work with when it comes to like the paid ads and the funnels that you do? Yes. So I would say like 95% of our clients are online coaches, right? Some sort of coach. Most of our clients are probably in the realm of like they would probably consider themselves a business coach. We do have um, one e-commerce client right now. She is an amazing store, by the way. <laughs> and we're, we're doing advertising on all the different platforms for her and it's going really well. But like our bread and butter really is course creators. Like 95% of my clients either have some sort of course, group program, or digital product. And that is like a very similar 
clientele to what I was working with at the prior agency. So I feel like that just became like my bread and butter. And then over the years, you know, like I've dabbled into other industries. Like I, right now I'm working with an insurance agent and we set up Legion ads for his business. So, and seeing a lot of results there too. So I feel like as you expand and grow your agency and your services, and you get to basically test the waters with other niches and industries, it's almost like a challenge, you know? And I like a challenge. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) I don't like doing the same thing over and over and over. Like, I like being creative. I like solving problems. Mm -hmm. Even if the problems are like me created where it's like a new industry that I've never like worked with before. (laughs) Yeah, and that's how how I felt about like e-commerce. And like, that's not something I advertise publicly that like, oh, we work with e-commerce brands. But like, if it feels natural, if it feels right and in alignment with like, you know, the other clients that we do work with, then I will say yes. Right. And obviously it has to be, you know, like a proven product. It's right. Same with service-based businesses with an e-commerce business, you know, it has to be a proven product in order to obviously be profitable with ads. You know, they have to be at a certain revenue point and or like average order cart value, that sort of stuff. So, but yeah, I love the challenge and I've been able to dabble into like other industries along the way, just doing like, you know, one-off intensives or consulting for other clients. So, so yeah, I enjoy it though. Nice. So when it comes to funnels, in case some people listening aren't sure what quite, you know, what quite that is or what that means, is there like a quick, quick summary that you can kind of explain what it is? Yeah, I always, so on podcast interviews, I always uh, give my Bath and Body Works example, but it's essentially the customer journey, right? You're taking a cold lead, someone who's never heard of you before, and you're nurturing and warming them up through various different like value-driven emails, right? Credibility and basically showing your authority in your space, like showing your audience that you are the expert, you are the go-to person, and you can solve their problem. And the funnel essentially takes that cold person that's never heard of you before and turns them into a buyer. So in terms of like my Bath and Body Works example, I feel like everyone knows what a Bath and Body Works is, right? (laughs) So like imagine you're walking past a Bath and Body Works store. They usually have a ton of signage, right? Like promo, like think fall is coming. So they're probably promoing the heck out of fall right now. When you walk past an actual Bath and Body Works store, you're probably seeing visually like you're visually inundated with like their promotions or like what they have to offer, right? Before you even step inside the door. So I feel like that's top of funnel, right? That's your landing page attracting the ideal person that you want to work with, right? That's probably in alignment with your paid offer. So once you enter in the building, you're probably smelling all the things. Oh, yeah. putting things into your shopping cart. So that to me is like the middle of funnel, right? You are nurturing your leads. You are showing them exactly like, you know, what you could potentially solve for them. You're giving them testimonials. You're showing them like, hey, I have proof. I'm the expert. I've worked with other clients in this in this capacity before. And here's how I can help you. And then by the time you get to like the back of Bath and Body Works, the store, right? Usually the cash wrap there, the area where you check out and you're literally emptying out your bag and it's like, okay, here's all the things I want to buy. That's back of my funnel. That's where the acquisition happens. That's where the purchase happens. And then, you know, sometimes there's like extra little little bonuses, right? Next to the cash wrap. Yeah. <laughs> your antibacterial little sanitizers 
or little knickknacks that you can add to your purchase at checkout. So to me, that's like the order bump, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's my Bath and Body Works funnel metaphor. I love that. (laughs) I think a brick and mortar metaphor really is helpful in terms of like explaining how the customer journey process looks, but like in a physical setting. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people will like get that and relate to it. So it's a great metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) Hi there. This is Ad Chante popping in to let you know about the Sugar Punch template shop. Inside the shop are done-for-you templates that I created specifically for social media managers and digital marketers so that you can seamlessly plug and play and have a professional business without losing any more sleep. We all know we need more of that. From a pricing calculator to an onboarding welcome packet to an all-in-one social media calendar, as in you can create, revise, and have clients approve it all through Canva. Love how simple it is. Plus a case study template with 100 proven copy ideas to impress your clients and a social media marketing proposal template. I've got you covered. Shop the affordable templates or get the discounted bundle, you do you, at my website. I'll link it in the show notes for you. Now back to today's episode. What is your favorite thing about working in like the social media marketing advertising space? Well, I love for one, these platforms do exist. Obviously, you know, it's free. We are the product. (laughs) When you're using these type of platforms to market a business or market a product, you are ultimately the product, right? Because it's free to use the the platform. I do love how like social media and, and even just advertising on social media, it opens up this huge opportunity to reach millions of people, right? In a massive different way that you could not do physically in person. So, and honestly, I just, what intrigued me the most about like getting this experience with like being behind the scenes of like these huge launches, I saw the impact that it could make, not just in their students' lives, right? By giving their their students these concepts and tools and resources to ultimately solve their problem and see massive results. But like for my clients at a revenue standpoint from these live launches, like I've seen clients being able to purchase their dream home, right? Or like put a down payment on their dream home or retire their husband or take like an awesome honeymoon to Bali, you know? So like so many different awesome, amazing things. And it honestly feels so rewarding to know that like I was a part of that. Yeah. I helped my client achieve that goal. Like I love that. I love being a part of that story. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'm the same way. What about, we'll spin it a little bit. What about your least favorite thing? And working with clients or just being an agency owner in general? Just in general. Anything about the industry. Okay. I hate how, and we might talk about this later, but I hate how certain things feel like an MLM nowadays. And just coming from an MLM space, it definitely feels a lot more slimy. You know, just like everything income driven nowadays online. And I'm like, I hate that we have resorted to using how much money we make to attract buyers. Yeah. You know what? Let's get into it. I feel like that's a perfect segue. <laughs> Let's get into it. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. So there's a master resale rights course that's big right now that's going around that people are hopping on. And basically, you buy the rights to this course, and then you can then sell it to others and like make a commission off of it. Is that how that works? So from my understanding, this particular... So master resale rights has been around for a very long time, right? So probably since the 90s. It's basically a license 
to resell the product that you purchase at any price point from my understanding that you want, right? So, and I think there's certain like, depending on the terms and conditions of the master reseller rights product that you do buy, because there's ultimately different ones going around, especially now. One in particular that's really popular is called Roadmap to Riches or something, but it's $4.97. No, I have not purchased it, but I do know people that have. (laughs) We can go into like the different aspects of how I think it's not really a sustainable business in the long run. But chatting with like a lawyer who her and I have talked about this behind the scenes offline, how we do not agree with it. And it's pretty much like an MLM. But yeah, a lot of people are hopping on the bandwagon, right? Because it's popular. And people are seeing obviously sales and revenue with it immediately. But I think the reason, the only reason why they are seeing success is because they're leading with the opportunity to sell this as a business, right? I feel like not many people are leading with the opportunity to learn digital marketing. And that's the whole point of a particular course in the one that we're talking about, 4971, the digital marketing course. And I feel like that is almost like a sly way of saying, oh, but you learn all these things from buying the product. It can apply to so many different things, which I do agree. Awesome. Amazing. But like use that product to build your own, right? Because it's not really sustainable in my eyes to promote a product that thousands of others are promoting. It's like, yes, you can you can come out with a personal branding angle and be like, oh, well, people only buy from you because you're you. And you know what makes you unique is what's going to sell the product. But I was like, at this point, thousands of people have it. So what is really an incentive for them to buy from you outside of your personal branding? So what I'm seeing now on the feed is people are having to incentivize, right? With another product to get them to buy the 497 thing. That is a problem because now people are experiencing offer fatigue, right? And this happens with evergreen products with my own clients, right? If you always have a product available for sale, at any given point, people could buy it. Like what's the incentive over time for them? Like there is no urgency, right? So that that creates a huge issue, especially with this main 497 product that people are buying and trying to resell because there is no urgency. There is no incentive to buy it right now unless they give you something else. So I feel like at some point that is going to run out. <laughs> you know, everyone's going to have the same product there is no like value in this one thing because there is no limit at this point in time from my knowledge to how many licenses could be resold. So it's going to be really, I mean, so already oversaturated in my opinion, but it's going to come to this point where it's going to be an obsolete offer. So in my eyes and in my opinion, it's like, well, all these people that are reselling this one product, are they just waiting for the original creator to make a new product and then sell that? again. So I'm just, I'm a little confused. Like how is this long-term? How is this sustainable? How are you going to build a business off of selling this one product unless you start selling your own? So I guess we can start there and you can tell me how you feel too. (laughs) Yeah. No, I agree. I'm right there with you. And I think it's like, maybe it's like a, a good way to like make quick cash, but I just, I don't know, from my understanding, just the way that it the way that people are like selling it and like, oh, you can make a lot of money doing this. And it's, I don't know, something just doesn't feel right about it. Like it feels kind of slimy to me. The people that are, you know, ultimately making thousands and thousands of dollars a day or a month or whatever their claims are, 
one, it's against FTC laws to not talk about like an income, you know, like disclaimer. And no one's really saying that in their videos, which is a violation of FTC laws. <laughs> so that that's a that's a like federal issue, right? So I do feel like that this this potential offer has a major opportunity to get shut down. I'm sure they're doing an investigation under it right now. I have I, I'm pretty positive it's probably happening. I'm sure many people reported it by now. <laughs> but yeah, it's like everyone's leading with these crazy income claims, but no one's really saying. The reason why these bigger creators can make that much money is because they already have an existing audience. So I feel like it's very dishonest in a way to, you know, sell this opportunity as a means to make money by selling this product and getting other people to resell a product. In a sense, it's like, what is the actual product? I don't, I don't really see the the course as really being a product here. It is the concept of this being a business, like this being a means to make money. So yeah, I feel like it is a little misleading. It is very misleading. <laughs> I should say very misleading to especially like newbies, right? That are like have never heard of courses before that are brand new to the digital marketing space. Essentially, I feel like people should be a little bit more transparent on what this actually is. This is this is a sales opportunity. Like you are essentially recruiting others to be sellers for this course. And if you're not if you're not the type of person that loves showing up online, showing your face and selling, this probably isn't a good investment for you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I think I think transparency just in the whole space cuz obviously we don't have a whole lot of regulations right now about all of this stuff, but I think transparency just from like an ethical viewpoint is should be more front and center and like be more honest, like, sure, share your income claims, but like, let's be real about like where those come from and how you got there and all of those things. And even like with new social media managers, I'll have them like reaching out to me and being like, oh, I heard from so-and-so you can make a bunch of money being a social media manager. You know, I've been doing this for a couple of months now, but like, I'm not seeing, you know, I'm not making that 10K months that so-and-so said I could. And then I have to be like, well, here's the reality of it. And like, it takes time. And I think, you know, people are selling that dream and that lifestyle without saying all the other things that have to come with it, or like, you know, the honest part, or, you know, the kind of the, I don't want to say the gotcha, because it's not like a lie necessarily, but it's also not the whole truth. Right, right. And I feel like if you are leading with any sort of business opportunity, right, no matter what it is, and, and how you're making money, I think a lot of people fail to mention that it takes time. It takes time to build up like a clientele. It takes time to build up a loyal, you know, audience that knows, likes, and trusts you. Like it's not instant. It's not even 90 days. It's probably at least six months <laughs> to a year, you know? I do feel like I maybe I was lucky. I don't know, but I was not definitely it was not making six figures within 10 months in the first year of business. It took a good 13 months to make that. But also a lot of people don't talk about expenses either, right? As right. an agency, there's a lot of expenses. And even yes. being a solopreneur in the very beginning, I would not classify myself as having an agency until 2020. So like that very first year in business, it was me and maybe like a, one or two you know, small contractors that I was paying part-time. But there's a lot of expenses in business. And I, I probably took home less than half of that Right. Yeah. <laughs> year. Like I was not profiting. I was not taking home a hundred a hundred thousand dollars in the first year. Yeah. That doesn't just stay in your bank account. 
<laughs> no, especially being an agency, there's like, there's softwares you have to pay for. There's, you know, like right now I have a full-time person. I have, I pay her benefits. I pay payroll taxes. I pay, I'm on payroll too. So it's like, there's so many expenses that people just don't realize. Like I pay for a CPA. I have uh, so many other expenses I'm forgetting right now. But yeah, I have a copywriter, you know, I have a graphic designer, all the things. There's so many expenses that pop up during, during the month. Yeah, exactly. So I always like to kind of be like, okay, so here's what came in, but also here's what went out, you know, so people can kind of have a good feel for what's realistic. Cause I think so many people talk about, oh, I made so much this month and then they just leave it at that. And it's not like, what did you actually get to keep? Yeah. Here's the revenue I made from my live launches. And I don't think people realize that some of these big seven, eight figure businesses pay out a lot of money and expenses just for the team to build out the, the farm, yeah. you know, the pages, the, copy, the social media posts, it all adds up, you know, their ad team, which is an expense as well. You know, the ad spend itself is an expense. So when, when you hear these big, huge numbers that people talk about, like making in a month, even if they didn't live launch, they're still paying probably a large chunk of that to their team members or two softwares, you know? Yeah. It takes a village to make, make things happen like that. <laughs> it yeah. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of things happening that most people don't even think about. Mm-hmm. So let's spin it just a little bit. I know you wanted to talk about agency team culture. So let's go ahead and kind of just dive into that. So I know you have, your agency is bigger than mine. You have more people working for you. And having it fun and lighthearted was really important to you when building your agency. So like what types of things do you do to make sure that stays front and center? Yeah. I think it also goes back to like knowing what type of personality, you know, each individual team member has on your team. So I try to find out like their Enneagram, like there's a little questionnaire that I send to like brand new team members, although I haven't had a brand new team member in a hot minute, but (laughs) we send um, a questionnaire to get a little bit familiar with like, you know, what's your vice? Like, do you love coffee or tea? Yeah. When's your birthday? Um, You know, we have them take a couple personality tests, but, and everyone like learns and prefers like something different in terms of like, you know, how they learn certain things or like how they want to communicate with like the CEO or other team members. Um, So I feel like that's a good base foundation to start with. But like showing your appreciation, you know, it like little tiny things like that. Like I'll do at least like twice a month, I'll share like a Starbucks card that I'll reload and they can go get coffee, you know, something like little things like that to show my appreciation, because obviously I would not have this business or this team or this agency without the people that help make the magic happen, you know? do a an annual team retreat every year. So we actually just had ours. We went to Nashville over Labor Day weekend. So, and this was like our third annual team retreat. It is so much fun and it's awesome to connect with our team members in person because, you know, we do have a virtual business. So it's hard. It's hard to have like yeah. team culture and like camaraderie, you know, and like basically like just celebration of each other, you know, and the work that we do. So it's nice to have that time together to chat with them in person, to get to know them, you know, like outside of work, you know, like right. what do they have to do on the weekends? What type of music do they listen to, you know, on their, on their computer or on their phone, you know? Uh, we do like quarterly lunch and learn. So I'll bring in an expert and it doesn't have to be related to marketing. Like I've had 
a finance person come in and talk about like finance. I've had a real estate person come in and talk about like investing in your first home purchase. So I try to bring in other experts in in topics that they can learn about to not just like enrich their career set, but like their life, you know, so kind of like to leave like a lasting impression and give that extra, you know, like knowledge to them. Be like, okay, here you go. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I love how it's, it's, you know, very, you want to take care of them. Yeah, of course. And I think it goes back to like my own experience, you know, and it's like learning exactly what I did and did not like from a prior agency experience and, and knowing like, okay, from a leadership standpoint, like it does come from the top down. Yeah. And you do have the means to change things, right? You have that opportunity as a CEO, as a leader to make it happen. It has to come from you. You can't expect another team member to take over and do it for you. So I feel like you set the tone, you know, as a leader, and it trickles down and, and fosters that community and culture within your team. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So the last question I like to ask is, is there anything you wish someone would have told you about working in marketing before you got started? You work 24 seven. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not wrong. <laughs> Yeah, as an entrepreneur, it's hard not to work all the time or, you know, essentially being in this space, being having an online business, you potentially be working all the time just by being on Instagram, you know, yeah. answering DMs or because a lot a lot of people will reach out in a DM first and that's how the conversation starts and ultimately becomes either like a full-blown project or like a one-off project. So I do feel like it it is like a trap that you fall into. In the beginning of my business, I was horrible at that. And I think that's pretty much what happened in 2021. I was always working. Yeah. <laughs> I was working on the weekend. I was <laughs> I was working uh, at night, you know, in the afternoon. Yeah. But yeah, balance is hard. And being a mom, oof, when COVID hit, that was probably the roughest year of business. Homeschooling. Was your was yours old enough to go to school? Did you have to do the whole homeschooling thing? She was in preschool. She was okay. like three at the time. And we are lucky that I eventually did find a school that didn't completely shut down. So she was able to get enrolled in that newer school. When COVID hit, she was at a daycare center on base because we, we are a military family. So she was on, on base and they completely shut down. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. So I had my husband at home with me. I had my daughter. Everyone's walking into my office. <laughs> like, I'm on a client call. I'm like... I cannot have this happen. <laughs> so COVID was really hard. And I feel like that comes down to like work-life balance, you know, setting boundaries, but eventually got her enrolled into a school and husband went back to work. Yeah, everything eventually went down. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like that's probably the hardest thing is like the work-life balance, you know, yeah. either working too much or juggling like the at-home and things that you have to do. Mom life, work life. Yes, yes. That balance, yeah. Wifey life. Yeah. <laughs> Real life, 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 and business life mm -hmm. and how they overlap and how you have to keep them separated. Yep. Yep. And I think that's something that we still figure out, you know, life changes, business changes, and then you have to like readjust and refigure out how all of those things are going to work together again. Yeah. But I'm glad it's over, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I, I would prefer not to do COVID all over again. That would be no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Once in a lifetime experience for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. I feel like we're, we're all going to be talking about this for, for years, forever. Yes. Forever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So where can everybody find you? 
I am mostly on Instagram and usually on TikTok too. Same handle, Litchfield Media. And then our website is litchfieldmedia.org. So yeah, check us out. Yeah. I'll leave it all in the show notes for you so you can go ahead and click over there. Say hi to Melissa. Let her know you listened to the podcast episode and that's how you found her. Thanks so much for coming on here, Melissa. I think this was a really great chat and I can't wait for everybody to hear it. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Ooh, that was a lot of good stuff. So if you have any friends who are social media managers struggling with this, share the link to this episode with them and help them out. And if you're not already following this podcast, make sure you hit the follow button or the plus button in Apple Podcasts. You can get brand new episodes delivered straight to your podcast app every Friday. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Learn more about my digital template shop, online courses, and mentorship program by going to my website at sugarpunchmarketing.com. And while you're there, make sure you join my safe, supportive community created exclusively for social media managers. It's 100% free to join and packed with really amazing resources, trainings, and people. See you next time.